You're listening to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast with me, your host, Kino McGregor. I created this series to keep you inspired to get on the mat every day so that you can practice yoga and change your world, starting from the inside out, one breath at a time. Thanks so much for listening. Your support means everything to me. Hey everyone, it's Kino here. Thanks for joining the Yoga Inspiration Podcast. This episode is an interview with a local student here in Miami named Tracy. He's a really dedicated Ashtanga yoga practitioner, and I really enjoyed our time together. The questions he asked me and his story about coming to yoga and coming to Ashtanga was just something I really connected with. I hope you will enjoy his story of yoga inspiration and the time that we shared together. Tracy was also a student model for my new book, Get Your Yoga On, that focuses on accessibility and making the practice available for everyone. Hey everyone, it's Kino here. Welcome to the Yoga Inspiration podcast and video series. I'm here with Tracy, who's born in Jamaica, currently living in Miami, super athletic, loves being physical, is a project manager with a knack for tech and has a passion for music. Hi, Tracy. Hey, hey, hey. Thank you for having me on. Oh, thanks for being a part of this. And I'm super excited to chat with you and to share the experience of yoga with you. So let's start at the very beginning. First of all, how long have you been practicing yoga? Well, now it's just a little over two years, maybe two and a half exactly, but definitely over two years now. Nice. Yeah. And what brought you to yoga? All right. So the true story is it was my ex-girlfriend. She was an instructor, and I wanted to support her and got me looped in. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So what was your first experience of yoga class? Did you love it? Did you feel like, wow, this is amazing? Or what kind of experience did you have? I didn't get it. Really? I really didn't get it. I, I went to the class, and I just didn't get it. I felt it wasn't enough intensity for me. Mm-hmm. I think I was looking for the same results I get in the gym. Mm. <sighs> I'm out of breath. Can't feel my muscles that type of story, but I didn't get that in yoga. So I had this impression of yoga that is maybe not for me. Mm, and why not? Were you, were you felt like it was too much relaxation? Yeah, well, not even that. You know, I come to realize over time that I just didn't understand postures. So I didn't know what to look for. I didn't know what to feel. So I was more in my head than mm-hmm. I was with myself. Mm. You know I'm saying my whole entire body. I Absolutely. Wasn't really, I wasn't relating that there at the time. So. Yeah. My impression was like, this is just not for me, but I'll support my partner. You know? yeah. <laughs> oh, you're a good partner. Yeah, so how many classes did you keep coming back to to support your partner? So this is the thing. I, I feel like when looking back on it, I wanted to stop after maybe the second week. Okay. But and how many classes is that? Maybe like three. Okay. Maybe Third like class, three. you're like, I'm yeah. done with this. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because at first, too, it wasn't just the physical aspect. The speeches, I wasn't, I was getting lost a lot of the time. I wasn't understanding what was being spoken about, like the topics. I couldn't really relate to them. Mm -hmm. What do you mean the topics? You mean all of the Sanskrit names of the poses? Yeah, there's all these Sanskrit words in yoga class, you know, take Kadrikonasana and move into Utkadasana. You're like, oh, what's another language? I'm sorry, I don't speak Sanskrit. Completely. (laughs) I was doing a lot of looking around. (laughs) 
Yeah. What are they doing so I can understand what I'm doing? Right. And I was always not doing the correct thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. And how did that make you feel? Very insecure. Yeah. Very insecure. And at the time when I started too, I don't think there was a lot of men that were actually doing it. Mm-hmm. So surrounded by women, yeah, like I'm not doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> getting my butt kicked and not even sure why I'm not getting it right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a little it was a little task for me to get over. But when I started realizing, first thing was breathing. When breathing started helping me to calm down, reset my mind and my thoughts, I started to become more aware of my surroundings and intake information. Mm. And then that helped my practice pro- progress. And as, as soon as I started seeing results was the time that I started like, okay, let me, you know, I said this before, but let me try this a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And kept going over time. How long did it take you for, to make that mind-body-breath connection? I want to say really could be like four or five months for me. Mm. I don't know how it is for anyone wow. else, but like four or five months. Um, and then when I saw this YouTube video uh-huh. of the six Americans, uh-huh. it changed my life. That famous Ashtanga yoga video. That, that's that's wow. exactly what, what it did for me. So how, how did that come across? Here you are, you did yoga three times. You were like, eh, yeah. but I'm going to stick it out because my partner. Right. You're on the four-month mark. You feel start to feel this something's there between breath, body, and then walk me through this. How'd that video come up? All right, so I appreciated breathing Uh and then being able to relax and then calm my mind and then actually have conversations with myself. Hmm. That was interesting for me enough to continue. But what I used to tell my ex at the time was, like, I just don't get the intensity. I was looking for a lot of intensity, like I was lifting weights, I was letting things out. Like, I play soccer a lot and I tell people that when I play soccer, I get so lost in the game, I don't think about anything else but the game. And I exert a lot of energy, and I feel like I let go a lot of negative energy. Mm-hmm. So I was looking for an outlet to just let go a lot of negative things. Mm-hmm. And yoga is great for that because you get to study yourself through the process. But at the time, I had no awareness of any of that. I was looking for the intensity. Right. And I just wasn't getting it. And I just got it when I saw the six Americans. Uh-huh. I was like, whatever they're doing, I want to do. And I love that they were in sync, moving at the same yeah. pace, the same breath, and just this one drill sergeant just marching around the room, giving commands. And I was like, you know what, I could do that. Where can I find that? And Miami, I didn't see a lot of uh, available like Ashtanga classes, but when I learned what it was, and of course my ex-girlfriend was with me at the time, she kind of helped me find and locate where to go. And look That's, at me right here. Yeah, right exactly. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well, we yeah. at Miami Life Center definitely yeah. try to embrace the true heart and spirit of Ashtanga Yoga. Yeah. And we're definitely happy that you're here right now. Yeah, so am I, so am I. I would have yeah. never thought. Mm. I mean, it didn't just impact me. It also impacted my kid brother, you know? Mm-hmm. My kid brother picked it up on his own. I mean, I'm sure I inspired him to a, l- yeah. a little bit, but he really started taking the momentum on his own. And that kept me motivated after, yeah. like, my, me and my ex separated. Uh-huh. And I continued my practice to this day. And I don't intend on ever really stopping. And it's strange, too, to even see that I get up every morning and I always have to hit the floor and I mm. do at least a downward dog with five breaths mm-hmm. and to start my day off. That's a wonderful yeah. way to start your day. Yeah. That's yeah, it awesome. Is, it is, it is. No. Oh. So I feel like there are a lot of men that I talk to. I mean, not maybe like a lot, but a good number of men that I talk to that enter yoga 
because of a romantic interest of some type. It's actually more a common story oh, okay. than you would think. I could see it though. <laughs> I could see it though. Because I don't really think at all, I would never bet against myself again back then. I would never bet that I would be where I am right now. Yeah. I always had this, it was never a negative outlook. It was more so, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. That um, flexibility, uh, I went against the muscles. Mm-hmm. I want to get a little bigger. Mm-hmm. You know? I didn't look at it the way I look at it now. Right. And I appreciate myself way beyond what I thought I wanted before. What I have now is exactly what I need. Oh, that's yeah. a beautiful yeah. journey. Yeah, I'm still going going with it though. It's a lifelong practice, yeah? yeah? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So your ex, she's still practicing and teaching? I think so. I don't know where in the world she is right uh-huh. now, but I believe that she is because the uh, passion that she showed me, which is what got me to, to support her every yeah. single day, every single class. And I would hope that she's continuing her practice right now because she inspired me. To That's get so this, awesome. You know? That's the way I see yoga really spreading. Yeah. It's been likened that, you know, the inspiration to practice yoga is like the flame of a candle. Right. And that when we share that with others, you know, all it really takes is for a spark to light somebody else's candle. And then, then that burns and it keeps us inspired to keep practicing and practicing. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely see that, feel that too. Yeah. Yeah. So there are probably many men out there who have the same idea about yoga that you did. Oh, it's not for me. I want to lift weights. I want to get bigger. I want to be, you know, the the classic kind of masculine, strong gym, that attitude. So what do you have to say to them? Can yoga be integrated into, you know, a whole lifestyle program that includes weightlifting, soccer, and other physical activities? Or what do you think? Is yoga really for everyone? Yeah, I think yoga as it states, is for everybody, mm-hmm. literally. I mm-hmm. think it's for everybody. Modifications are there for anyone, so there's no excuses. But specifically to men like myself in the beginning that may have thought or do think today that it's not for them, I would say you have to give it a chance. And it's not giving the practice a chance more than it is giving yourself a chance. Mm. Because it, the first month or two was more introspective, I feel, more than it was a physical practice. So you had to kind of understand yourself, at least for me, why is it I get irritated? Why am I impatient? Why is my attention all over the place? Once I got a grip of those things and a better understanding, it helped me actually be more present in my classes, where then I got the physical workout from it too as mm-hmm. well. So I would say and recommend to them, don't, don't just jump in and think one day is gonna do it for you. And don't run away from the challenge when you start to see yourself, Mm -hmm. when you start to become frustrated. Mm -hmm. Sit with it, go through it like any other type of workout, and then you reap the rewards over time. Yeah. Yeah. There seems to be this expectation when really strong people, whether male or female or any gender, come into the practice, if they have the idea that they're strong already, and then they have this expectation, it seems, that they're going to be naturally good at yoga. And it feels that what I notice as a teacher is that those individuals get so frustrated when the yoga poses are hard and they don't make sense. Yep. And it's like they're holding themselves to this really high standard and it's either do or die. Right. And I love what you said about, you know, embrace the challenge. Don't expect to be good at it. Go through the difficulty. Yeah. And that's something that I, for myself, has carried off the mat into my everyday life. So what lessons have you learned in your yoga practice that you've carried off the mat into your everyday life? Well, one of them is, I would say, impulsive. Mm -hmm. I'm always, before I was very much impulsive, 
impulsive in ways that I could not even see for myself. If someone else told me that was impulsive, I would say, you don't know a damn thing about me. But through my practice, I realized it is an impulsion. I, I want to be good at everything. Um, I want to shine at anything I do. Mm-hmm. And I had to like go through tearing down certain aspects of my ego. I had to really listen to myself and analyze myself to really know why it is I wasn't being successful in something that looks pretty easy. Anyone could do it. <laughs> but that is not the case when you're actually trying to go down on your mat and get the practice in. Um, but over time, like I stated before, it just really opened up way more challenges and challenges that I actually welcomed. Challenges not that weren't like forced upon me. These are challenges I wanted to take on, you know? Yeah. And my practice has been amazing since. And, it, and like you said, you've taken things from the mat and off the mat. For example, speaking with you now, I feel like I'm much more free, you know, mm-hmm. because I understand myself a little bit more so yeah. I can express myself a little bit more in detail and more specific. Then before with impulse, what would she want me to hear? What oh, you hear me say, yeah, you know? Yeah, I hear uh, what you're saying. What is the proper thing to say in a situation mm. versus like, what is it about me that I want to communicate mm. effectively? Mm. Um, so that, I absorb a lot of that from the mat and took it off and then to work, relationships with friends, family, you name it. Would you feel that the practice has made it easier for you to express your authenticity? Yeah. Mm. Because I had to like kind of see myself in ways that I never really paid attention to myself before, which really allowed me to see how someone else might see me and interact with me. And I realized there were, I had so many good people around me as well, too, who have been extremely patient um, and positive and supportive. And I didn't give them the initial credit that they deserve for being there for me because I couldn't see myself to see how I may have been short with them when I needed to listen to them more than speak, mm-hmm. um, that sort of stuff. So I like, kind of helped my relationships outside a lot more. And it, that encouraged me much more to practice because yeah. I felt like it made me more balanced overall as a person. I've had such a similar journey as well. You know, when I first started practicing, I felt like I naturally started just becoming a better person. Yeah. I started to see, oh, wait a minute, maybe this way of acting isn't so peaceful. Maybe yeah. I'm centering myself, you know, and my own needs rather than thinking about, again, maybe, as you mentioned, oh, I'm being a little short with this person. I'm, my temper is a little, yeah. you know, flared up and I'm impatient in this moment. I also noticed that in relation to speaking with other people is one thing, but for me, part of my journey was about learning to not be so hard on myself. Right. And it sounds like that was part of your journey as well. Still is. Yeah. Still is. So tell me about that. Do you have a tendency towards perfectionism, a tendency towards overachievement? And how has yoga helped you with that? Um, It made me realize that everybody is different Mm -hmm. and double entendre there, right? And because everybody's different, I can't hold myself to the same standards of everybody that I don't know. I don't know what it takes to function that way, how to be flexible in that manner. So when I really took focus on myself, I just was able to now relate to people because I can communicate who I am effectively (laughs) and what I might be lacking. So I would have no issue telling you, like, I know I'm wrong. I know I don't understand. Can Mm. you enlighten me? Mm. Versus pretending or trying to research really quick, you know, and then regurgitate what I just, but I don't really understand it, you know? Yeah. So I think, like you said, yoga just made me much more of an improved person. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping myself more happy and pleasant 
and then embracing and attracting real relationships mm. versus like superficial ones. Um, I'm not saying I'm perfect now, but that change and flip the script for me. You've noticed yeah. a considerable Being change. Being time, yeah that's, yeah. that's the reason why I would stand up for yoga against mm -hmm. anyone who says like, nah, get out of here with that. And a ton of guy friends I've had that gave me hard times about really? it. Really? Like what they say? Man, yoga's for girls. <laughs> yoga's for girls. Man, you don't get no muscles from that. Get out of here. What the, I don't know, that's not for me. I don't have time for that, you know? But yeah. going through the process, when they're telling me this, I just see myself in my past. And it always makes me smile because I'm like, all you got to do, dude, is just like give it a shot, which is giving yourself a shot. Don't do it for any other reason. Don't go there because there are women in the class. Mm -hmm. Don't go there because you want to be able to like stretch out your core a little bit and have, don't go there for none of those reasons. Because if you go in there for those expectations, you may or may not get them. And that's going to be a gamble on your ego. If you go in with no expectations, you sit down with yourself, go through the practice as someone is there guiding you through with their experience. You'll be able to then pick up your own path and decide where you want to go. Like for me, when I realized and I saw the six Americans, <laughs> I knew at that point, that's exactly what I wanted to do. And then I jumped into Ashtanga and Ashtanga has been my main practice for like the last two years. And how do you feel when you practice Ashtanga? I love it. It's a, it's a repetition, as you know. So you always get to see each week or each time you practice how you improve because you're doing the same mm -hmm. procedure. You're going through the same movements over and over. So you get to realize, oh man, I was able to tuck my stomach a little bit more that allowed me to do a proper jump through. When that moment happens, you're like, what? Yeah. It's so good, you know? And then, well, I'm holding my planks a little bit more. I'm having a better posture. Not only that, when I'm rising up to get into a downward dog, the transition is much more smooth than it would be like to just, well, one arm, two arms, okay, I feel it. Uh -huh. You just really feel like, your body and mind are really connecting to be able to move fluidly. Mm -hmm. And I love it. It's like dancing mm -hmm. you know, and meditation at the same time. Some people say Ashtanga yoga is so repetitive that it's boring. No, I don't think so. Not for me. Yeah. Why not? But I think it's different for every, every mm -hmm. person. And I would say for me, I've always been active since I was a kid. Um, track and field, football, basketball, all those sports I was playing except for baseball. And I like baseball <laughs> so much. Sorry, guys, if you like baseball. <laughs> But yeah, I um, was always part participating in sports. And I didn't know this at the time until I started doing yoga and getting really deep into it. I think maybe like after a year when I realized that I'm the type of person that needs to be active in order to let things go, mm -hmm. let things out. Mm -hmm. If not, I become really tense. Uh, my personality is a little bit more, just like my, my body becomes tense, just a little bit more tense, less impatient and impulsive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that I usually think about with the repetition of Ashtanga is that it's like learning the scales. You know, you have to repeat it over and over again in music or something like that. Right. If you just do it once and you think one and done, then you're never going to excel at it. And it's like learning the basic grammar of the whole yoga practice to repeat and go through the same program. And I was never a dancer or a gymnast or on any sports team or anything like that. I would never be able to tell. <laughs> People say that to me. I would never be able to <laughs> It was really just yoga. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, but friends that I talked to that have trained on whether gymnastics teams or sports teams, they've always told me that they had a strong relationship with their coach and that they would have a routine, whether a warm-up or a cool-down routine. It was like the same routine. Yeah. 
And that, that allows this mirror, this benchmark for you to come back and check in over and over again and for you to actually make improvements. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm an Ashtangi. I've been practicing Ashtanga for 20 years and I'm still not bored, yeah. you know? I'm with you on that one. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get bored. There's always challenges there. Yeah. Always challenges. And I don't think like through my practice that I will even do a quarter of the things that you do. (laughs) Good for you. Honestly, better for you. (laughs) I mean, but the things that come with stepping your levels and your your stance and your practice up a little bit more, diet becomes a thing. Mm -hmm. You know, resting becomes a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Even the people you're hanging out with becomes a thing. Mm -hmm. And as you go, as you progress, you need to adopt and let go certain things to achieve those particular goals. Mm. So I know I'm knowing, learning more about myself every single day. And I'm realizing that, like I said, isn't, I might not be able to do a quarter of the things that you can do, but I know that that could change at mm-hmm. any given well, point. Well, not yet, yeah. You know what I mean? Like any given point. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned life changes, some mm-hmm. pretty big ones. Changes in rest patterns, what time you go to bed, what time you wake up, how much you sleep. You also mentioned a big one, changes in diet. Yes, a hard one. Uh huh. And changes in who you hang out with. Yeah. So why don't you tell me a little bit about how, what changes have you made? Did you change your diet radically after you started yoga? Or are you thinking about it? No, my diet definitely did change. And I would say that it's still a struggle of mine because my culture, my background coming from Jamaica, um, there's a lot of things historically that can contribute to it, culturally that can contribute to it. So the foods that I grew up eating are what truly satisfies me. Right. And it's not necessarily nourishing my body the way I needed mm. to take my practice to the next level. Not even just my practice, because you realize from yoga too, when your practice is successful, you're actually successful outside. Mm-hmm. So either that's like, again, keeping my patience, being less impulsive, having time to think, and active listening is the biggest learning what I got from yoga is because uh-huh. you have to pay attention to your instructor to understand what's coming up next, right? right? Active listening, active what's that? Lis- active listening, that's a big one for me. Uh-huh. So I'll give you, an, give you how, how I went through active listening. Before understanding what active listening was, going through the class, I understand the basic downward dog, chaturanga, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Vinyasa flow, we got, we got that down, right? Anything outside of that, we're going to go into pigeon. What? Pigeon? Pigeon? I'm looking around class. What is that? Once I realize what someone else is doing, oh, that's pigeon, I just automatically go into my head. Mm. And I'm not really like there in the moment, present, trying to actually understand what the pose is Mm. and get into the pose safely and properly. It's more like, okay, I just got to do what I see someone else is Mm -hmm. doing. And I'm not listening to the instructor who's there saying, okay, you should feel this. You should turn this way. Your posture should be like this. Breathe in. I'm not listening to any of that anymore. That's completely blocked. And it's more about visually. What am I seeing? And then trying to interpret that as what my body should be communicating mm-hmm. outwards. Mm. Yeah. I really understand that. Yeah. That seems yeah. like a skill you could take in conversations as yeah. well. Yeah. You know, sometimes we talk with people and we're tuning out. Yeah. You know, or we're thinking, you know, looking at the person. And, and as you mentioned before, thinking, how is it sh- I should present myself right. to this person so that there's some kind of an end goal rather than just actively listening? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing for me. Like, I took a lot. Like, that has helped my relationship, like, with my brother and my mother mm-hmm. much more. Because mm-hmm. they're the closest ones to me, right? My brother admires me for what he admires me for. And then sometimes when he admires me for certain things, I just don't have the patience for it at the time to, like, give him what he needs out of it. 
when I really truly just listen to the guy hmm. and see that he's just asking me for something specific, but there's a manner he goes around communicating that. Mm-hmm. And if I just listen, I realize it's not an irritating thing at all. It's actually a pretty admirable thing that he's taking the chance to do that. Yeah. And I realize that happened to my mom too as well. So me and my mom are a lot more closer than we ever been. What a beautiful yeah. gift. And I, I realize I'm giving her things like, mom, you need to calm down. You need to take a yoga class. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, you know you're looking at it all wrong. You got to have positive intent. <laughs> That's so awesome. Yeah, yeah. This is such a gift. And yeah. it's improved my relationship with yeah. my family and the people closest to me in my life as well. What does your mom think about yoga? And does she, you know, is she scared that maybe you're going to become vegan one day? Nah. And, and if I was, I'll tell you, she would she would totally support it. Cool. She would totally support it. And then five seconds later, she'll probably try to do it too. Okay. You know? But I've not been able to manage to get her into a class. Uh-huh. But I understand why. I think I understand why. That why? is because she thinks of her age. She thinks of her weight. Mm. And I think the biggest one for her is the age. Like everybody's young doing that. I don't have that. And I'm like, mom, but you don't understand. There's like a lot of different things that you can do, alternative things to do other than that. It's like yoga sometimes is just about breathing. It's not even about being physical. You know what it is to breathe through one nostril, let out through another nostril, <laughs> inhale again. Five seconds later, you feel way better than you did five seconds before. It's insane. <laughs> it's like instant gratification. And if you can go through certain things, you find what part of yoga you like. Some people like yin, right, for yeah. example. And some people like just vinyasa flow. Mm-hmm. Some people like hot. Some mm-hmm. people like power. Some yeah. people like ashtanga. So you start to realize there's multitudes of different avenues to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. One community is which is yoga. One one movement which is the self, which is yoga. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, I hope that maybe your mom would be inspired to do the videos that we made with you and your brother. Yeah, I hope so. We'll be she, sure to she, get her yeah, copies she, of those. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She would appreciate that a lot. She'll at least watch them. Yeah. Whether or not she does them, she'll at least watch them. I force her to do a couple of things, though. I force <laughs> her to do a couple of things. And she, she never denies it. But yeah. sticking to it, mm-hmm. eh, not mm-hmm. so easy. But maybe one day. Have you noticed changes in friends? Oh, yeah, a lot. How a so? Lot, a lot. Well, I, I worked in the entertainment industry for like about five, six years as a DJ. And um, it's the industry is just toxic, I would say, in mm-hmm. general. Uh, I would say in general. Uh, I don't know if it's different in state by state, city by city. But from my experience, I would say in general, for me, it was been, it's been toxic. Um, a lot of the people that you encounter, they feel at first that their real connections, uh, their secured connections, ones that you can trust, but then you realize over time that that is just not the case. It's all about relevance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then if you talk, this kind of type of discussion that we're having right now, if I dare have this discussion with someone else, I'll be met with a bunch of jokes. Um, get out, stop talking about that. Let's talk about something else that has to do with the industry versus like, hey, this is what I'm going through. This is my experience. This mm-hmm. is how I want to develop what can you contribute to that? Mm-hmm. What can I contribute to you? What can I contribute to our relationship? What can we do to our community? Yeah. What can we do to this whole industry? That's hard. <laughs> so yeah. I had to run away from that for a bit and took some time off. And taking some time off allowed me to be observant of my environment. And I started realizing the people that I loved the most were actually the ones that weren't showing me enough acknowledgement. Mm. And then I realized people start, I started attracting, attracting different people what would ordinarily hang out with and they were bringing me much more joy 
much more fortitude. Mm. And I realized that I was growing because of the new people coming in my life versus the people I'm like, you can say I'm on standby with waiting mm-hmm. for them to acknowledge me for who I am as a person. But they are who they are. I am who I am. And just acknowledging what that is with no no no, no bad feelings or nothing right. like that, you know, just start drifting off a little bit and mm-hmm. just venturing out with people that bring me more joy, more happiness and enlighten me to become a better person overall. And I started tapping into how I like to just be good at things and being with people who encourage you, they show you like, hey, that's not cutting it. That's mm-hmm. a good thing. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, you could do better. Mm-hmm. That's a good thing. And those people start telling me that. And I'll be able to learn how to trust that, trust yeah. myself first and then start trusting their word. Started combining. I started seeing improvements in myself and my relationships. The ones that I have now became much more secure. I love that. Yeah, yeah. I made a big transition when I started practicing yoga, too. I, you know, I wasn't a DJ or anything, but I did have a strong passion for electronic dance music. Here in Miami, you can really go into that world quite deeply. So, you know, I was really involved in that scene before I started practicing yoga here. And it was like, the more I did yoga, just the less I could really stand being up late at night and being in that environment of parties and alcohol, drugs, smoke, everything crazy like that. And it took a while for me to make the transition and to really understand with that part of my life, it's not that I'm against it, it's just over for me. Yeah. I don't have any ill will or animosity to what I called my party friends. I actually like, love them and wish them well. Right. They're just not at the vibration that I'm at right now. You know, um, I feel with yoga that one of the things that's been actually really quite hard for me personally Maybe it's also just a characteristic of myself, not yoga, but I think very much in yoga, I feel I'm constantly evolving and changing. The practice is constantly showing me, here's where you're blocked, move past that. Here's where you're blocked, move past that. And it's like one lesson after another, after another, after another. So that friends that I had 15 years ago, they're not the same friends I have now. The very few people that I have in my life that have been able to stay with me for all those changes and growth periods and evolutionary periods. So it's been something something to, to really cultivate. And I appreciate the few people that have been in my life that have been able to kind of keep pace with all the changes, right. you know? That's another thing, that mm-hmm. keeping up with the pace and you don't force them to do it, right? right. They're just there because they're connecting mm-hmm. and I'm pretty certain that you do certain things that inspire them and they don't want to get that information from you they want to get that ex- experience yeah. from you and then you being so joyous to be, to be able to practice teaching and instructing someone which is like reflecting of what your studies have done for you pretty concrete shows that you're an amazing person oh. you're an amazing instructor I mean you built a large community here <laughs> and, you know I think that's that's awesome that you're telling me that I'm happy to hear that yeah from you too yeah, no, well, thank you. Yeah, Thanks for acknowledging that. I really appreciate it. And I get a little shy. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my brother's a fanboy. You could be. My brother's such a fanboy. <laughs> I'm honored to have yeah. such a sweet person. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I usually say that in the podcast, I like this to be a two way street. So now I'm going to turn it over to you to see if you have any questions for me. Okay. Okay, one question I would have for you, before being able to physically meet you, um, I heard about you a long while ago, right? And I got in in contact with you before you even knew it through YouTube. Uh Uh-huh. And a lot of things I saw on YouTube, I was like, that's insane. (laughs) 
shit. <laughs> no way. But what I realized is when you look in those threads and people are putting their comments in, so many, how is it that you're able to like deal with reaching, touching everybody so much? Mm. You know, how are you able to like, how do you deal with yourself knowing that so many people look at you for inspiration, look at you for guidance? That's, that's pretty heavy. And it's not just in the States. This is mm. worldwide. Mm. Yeah, from what I... Yeah. I saw no, I, I remember when I first started making videos on YouTube. I never really thought that I should even open a channel or anything like that. Somebody had taken some videos of me during my practice and put it on their YouTube channel. And then someone contacted me to be an expert on their channel. And then the person who filmed me said, why don't you make your own YouTube channel? You could just do your thing. It could be really good for you. Right. And I thought, sure. You know, and I thought, sure, I, I'm, I love the practice. I love sharing tips about the practice. Great, let's try. So I started making these kind of little tips about the practice. And I still remember this point when YouTube allows you to track what countries you have viewers in. And so there was a moment when I realized that I had viewers in every single country that YouTube tracks viewers in. And I felt like, wow, that's so cool. And the thing I was most excited about was you know, that yoga was reaching this many people. That if someone could get inspired to get on their mat in the farthest reaches of the world, someone I may never meet because they're accessing it, you know, in the privacy of their home in some far-flung corner of the world, and yet that little flame, that's that spark of the yoga practice, that that could get lit for that person, and they could practice that, it keeps me inspired. That feels like that feeds me, and I feel honored, blessed, privileged to be able to reach and speak to that many people. It's something that definitely gives me energy and it keeps me inspired. Because there are some days, you know, that I wake up and I think, you know, does what I do make a difference? You know, do, does it really mean anything? And then I see these comments from people that say, I started yoga because I found your video on YouTube and now I practice with you in person or I did a training with you and now I'm a yoga teacher and now I practice with you every day on your channel, Om Stars. And then I feel like, oh, that made a really big difference. And sometimes it breaks my heart too. Um, I was teaching recently in, um, in Asia and one of the young students who was there, she gave me a card at the end of the practice and just handed me the card and said, just wanted to thank you. And I took the card and I read every single card that every student gives to me, no matter how long they are, no matter where I am in the world, and I take them home. So I'm traveling in Asia and I get cards, I take all the cards home. And I was reading this card on the airplane ride and I started to cry because it was, it was just, it just broke my heart the way that she said that she had struggled through years of body hatred and eating disorders and had contemplated suicide and was contemplating suicide when she came across a video of mine on YouTube. And then she said that seeing your videos and practicing with you made me not commit suicide. And I felt like I, start, I started crying in that moment. It still kind of brings that up for me. I'm so, I've struggled with depression. I've struggled with suicidal ideation myself. I know what it's like to be in that dark space. So to take it completely full circle and think, wow, you saw a video of mine. Like you were that desperate out there by yourself. There was a person out there that was sitting there thinking that their life was meaningless and useless and that it should end. And then for whatever reason, they put in yoga on YouTube, watched a video of mine. And then after 20, 30, 40 minutes of a video, they felt like, I'm okay. I'm going to live another day. I feel like that makes it all worthwhile.
that makes it all worthwhile. And yet I'm not perfect. You know, I've made mistakes and I've made some pretty horrendous mistakes, even public ones. So I feel like some of my imperfections, because I'm a public person in the world of yoga, have been on glaring display. That's, yeah, I wonder how you deal with that. It's, <laughs> it's pretty out there, yeah. It's really hard. So as someone that has a cycle of depression, I know that my mind has a tendency to have kind of like hyper negativity bias. So the negativity bias, when you take the one, like if you read 10 positive comments and there's one negative one, if you have a strong negativity bias, and we all do as human beings, but people who have periods of depression will take that one negative comment and blow it up beyond proportion. It won't even be one out of 10. It won't even be 10 out of 10. It'll take, the pre- it'll take up a place of 100 and it'll just keep ruminating and perpetuating. So I've really had to watch how I respond to negative comments. And, under, and really kind of file things away in, was that useful? Was that true? Don't take it personally. If there was a grain of truth in it, take it to people who know you, who love you, and who will speak truth to you. And so I, have, I mean, I have a therapist I talk to, but also my husband, my mom, some close friends of mine that aren't afraid to tell me truth. Like, hey, Kino, you were out of line there. So I have a, I have a, a, a really good friend of mine um, who, I, I, again, I really value her opinion and she doesn't, she's not going to tell me I'm doing great when I'm not. And she's called me out on some stuff and said, hey, you know, you were out of line here. You did things that were not in alignment with your place in the community and that was not okay. She called me out on it and I said, you know what, you're right and I got to do better. So thank you for that. That I take in. All these weird comments that are just like on social media, I, if, I, if I think someone has a point, I take it to a friend like that who's going to speak truth to me. And I listen to that friend and how they filter in what there may be a spark of truth in that. But I listen to my friend, someone who knows me and values me, not just in the social media world, but in the real world, people I've spent time with. And then I take in what they say as constructive negative criticism so that I can grow. Because if you just read the deluge of negative comments that come online, you know, people are bored on the internet, I think, sometimes. And the internet gives this feeling of anonymity, which can allow bullying, which can allow attacks on reputation. And for me, one of the biggest, like, groups of comments that I've had to just, like, disengage from are actually on YouTube in particular are um, weird sexualized comments about my YouTube channel. So that's something I've had. I just, I just don't engage. I don't block. I don't engage. I don't, if there are any, you know, X-rated words, that's a YouTube has an auto filter. Right. So those get automatically deleted. But I'm, what I try to do is, for example, on YouTube and also on Instagram, I try to respond to everybody that leaves some sort of a happy, positive comment. Because I feel that when you focus on that, it grows. Right. That's my sort of technique of realizing, of working with that being really, really human, trying to put all of my, my mistakes are going to be out there, trying to not hide them and share my process of learning from my mistakes. Because I feel like that's also super important. We, you know, we human beings, we have mirror neurons, you know? So that this means that this is the seat of empathy. When we watch somebody do something, the same, the same neurons in our brain fire as in the person who's going through it. That's the mirror, it literally mirrors what's going on. So this means that when you watch somebody that you admire make a mistake, stumble, fall, how they pick themselves back up again can teach you something about how to pick yourself back up again from when you fall and when you stumble and when you make a mistake. And so that's something I consciously think about. What am I sharing? I don't, wanna, I don't want to hide any of what might be flaws or, or you know, foibles or pieces of my humanity. I don't want to present an image of perfection, but I want to present an image of truth 
which is me, I'm a student. I'm a yoga student, I'm on the path. I want to make my world a happier, more peaceful place. I don't always succeed, but over 20 years, I can tell you for sure that the arc is pointed towards more peace, more happiness, more love. And that, that's enough for me. That's great. Yeah. That's great. I think everyone deserves that. Yeah. And I think that your practice probably in, on the mat is in bringing where you are right now in life and being uh, an ambassador for mm-hmm. yoga, I think that's brought you some challenges that continuously make you grow as a person too as well. So how do you deal with all, like my main question, how do you deal with all that publicity, mm-hmm. you know, negative and positive? How? Mm-hmm. I, I try to put myself in those shoes and it just doesn't work for me. <laughs> it just doesn't yeah. work for me. Well, there are a couple of self-care things also that are really important. So I have a um, phone-free hour in the morning where I actually, I used to just put my phone on do not disturb at night, but I actually realized that I need more discipline than that. So my phone, when I go to bed and an hour before I go to bed at night is on airplane mode with no Wi-Fi. Wow. <laughs> so that means even if I want to yeah. read the news, check the comments, respond to people on Instagram, check an email, like I can't. Yeah. And so I, I block myself in that way. And that really helps my nervous system calm down. It helps me focus on me. And in that first, the first hour in the morning is my meditation time. So until I finish my meditation, I don't want any feedback from the world. I want nothing that comes in. I don't, I don't want a news notification. I don't want a comment notification. I don't want an email. Nothing comes in. And this really helps me just be in my space as just me, Kino, just, just a person. I'm here. Here's my breath. Here's my body. I'm no one special. I'm just doing, doing my thing. That's super important for me. That's awesome. I'll take a page from that book. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take a page from your book. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. And then the, my, my last question I want to give you. So we're talking about the challenges, right? What primary? What, I'm on half primary. <laughs> and you're, what, what number are we at? I, I lost count. <laughs> Yeah, it's better to lose count. It's better, yeah. And from what I understand, uh, there's not many people on this planet <laughs> that do what you do. So how is it that you keep your practice in this physical form evolving mm. when there's limited amount of people? You're one of the tops. Mm-hmm. So where do you go? Like, how do you get new knowledge? Like, is it is it now where you and people, your peers are able to like come up with new additions to the practice, to influence the practice. Like where do you, where do you guys go? Where do you guys go to practice? That's a, go yeah, no, that's a really good question. So for me, where I get the, every time I'm in class, I think it's a blessing. Okay. So I take classes with our teachers here at Miami Life Center and I love that. And they're always really nervous whenever I'm in their class. <laughs> so, but I love it. I feel, I just feel anytime I'm a student, I feel just blessed to be a student. And I feel like there's always something to learn in every class, no matter if the person teaching is doing half primary only or is doing the same crazy advanced practice that I'm doing. I feel there's something to learn in every single class. So second thing is I have made continual trips to go back to India to keep that kind of contact with my teachers in India. And that's really the space where I feel I can definitely be a student of yoga. Then the third thing where I've found kind of the most depth in my spiritual journey lately has been in my sitting meditation practice. And there's been a really big shift for me over the last year, year and a half, something like that, where I've had a sitting meditation practice for 20 years. I've been doing yoga for over 20 years. And when when I started yoga, I, I just felt like, you know, I my first class, I looked in, my first Ashtanga class, I was hooked. 
Yeah. It took me three years to find that first Ashtanga class. But then that after that class, I was hooked. I was like, this is for me. I'm going to do this every day. When someone brought up meditation, I was like, I can't meditate. It's not for me. My mind is too busy. Like, I can't. I was like, can't sit still. I can't do it. And um, I had an ex-boyfriend who uh, used to listen to his parents' transcendental meditation tapes for entertainment when he was a kid. Okay. Radically different person yeah. than I am, you know. Uh, I don't know what I was doing as a kid for entertainment, but not that, you know? Right. And, and he was like, you should start sitting five minutes a day. It would be good for you. And I thought, oh, is it good for me or is it actually good for you? <laughs> you know, right. he wanted me to meditate for, <laughs> for his own benefit. Nevertheless, I thought, okay, I'll just sit there for five minutes. How bad can it be? So I, I, that's how I started my meditation practice. And then I started to practice Vipassana meditation. And in the last year and a half, I've done three more retreats. I think I've done a, done a total of six retreats in my life. But after practicing asana so deeply for you know, 20 years, then the last year and a half has really been this kind of door that's opened into an integration of the subtle energetics of the inner world. So it's almost like different brain centers opened up through my meditation practice, which has changed my asana practice in such a way so that I almost feel like there's a whole different vibration. There's a whole different kind of level of embodiment that is, is just shifted. And I'm so, so grateful for that. I feel like whenever we reach a point and we feel like, oh, now I'm stuck, then as, as long as you're open to growth, you're going to be presented with whatever, you know, whatever is going to take you to that next level, yeah. you know? So, so for me, my deepest lessons in the most recent, my most recent journey have been through my sitting meditation practice. And then now I'm coming from the perspective of how can I integrate that both into my asana practice and into my teaching. Where I'm in my teaching, even though I personally have what you could call an advanced practice. I'm practicing through the, the into the fifth series of Ashtanga, which is embarrassingly hard, you know? And I really like to say not recommended for people. <laughs> like, just not recommended. If you can avoid doing those poses, better for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. So, so but what I'm interested in as a teacher, and even just for myself, uh, understanding like the longevity and continuity of practice is I'm very, very interested in accessibility, modifications, and inclusivity in relation to the practice. I don't want someone to look at this, you know, video of only like these soldiers and the six Americans and think I have to be like that or it's no yoga right. or Ashtanga is not for me. So I want to, what I'm very, very interested in is to make the seeds of the traditional practice accessible to take the essence of say, what is primary series? And then think about how could I teach that to a senior citizen with two total knee replacements who's you know, a bigger bodied person? How do we bring that person into the equation and make them feel like this practice is for them too? So I feel like that's where I am in terms of my journey. Because again, I don't want just people practicing in every country of the world to be doing yoga. I want every home in the whole world to practice yoga from, you know, the leaders, our world leaders. I would love it if every world leader, regardless of what position they were, were to get on their yoga mats once a day. I think our world would be a better place. I want every, you know, CEO of every company and every employee of every company, everybody who works in the gig economy, everybody to unroll their mat, have some spiritual practice of mindfulness, of mind-body connection that starts their day or ends their day. I think our world would be a better place. That's awesome. I'm gonna send my mom your way. Yes, please. <laughs> I'm gonna send her those videos. Hey, listen, I'm Kino mom. Yeah, watch out, then she's gonna be in the next uh, video. That would make my day. That would make my day.
<laughs> yeah, well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thanks, Tracy. It's been a real pleasure. Hey there, it's Kino here. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to my podcast. Your support and your time and your attention really mean a lot to me. If you're enjoying this podcast series, you can find the full-length videos on my online channel, OMSTARS, and that's at www.omstars.com. You can redeem a 14-day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime. So you can find my full live in-person teaching schedule on my website, which is kinoyoga.com. And if you haven't checked out my books, I'd absolutely be honored if you'd check those out. You can find those available at any online bookseller. The Yoga Inspiration Podcast is designed to keep you inspired to get on the mat. And I hope you're leaving each episode with a little glimmer and spark of the spirit which is the true heart of the yoga method. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you be filled with love. Namaste.